Zach, thank you so much for leading us today. It's a really cool blessing. Um, and man, I just, <laughs> it really, I know I'm old, but it still feels like not that long ago that uh, Zach's dad moved to Brenham and said, hey, I can lead worship. And so he got behind a little, I don't know, one of those little keyboards that you have at home, probably. Probably wasn't one that we spent much money on um, in the youth group. And led us in worship as a sophomore in high school uh, for our youth group. Probably about, I don't know, close to 25 years ago, something like that. Um, never could I have imagined that... Uh, not only that he would be leading us, uh, a church that I'm a pastor at um, in worship, but his sons and daughters would be leading us in worship because uh, they've all done that. What an awesome, uh, cool thing. That's uh, a lot about you, but it's a lot about uh, the God that we serve um, and certainly about your cool parents as well. Um, I was just thinking about like, what if I like back then uh, could have had space in my brain, in my spirit to actually like envision that something like that could happen. Um, that instead of just it just being what it was in the moment, which is a really cool thing that we had somebody that could lead us in worship and we didn't have to listen to Al Denson tapes anymore. Um, praise the Lord. Uh, but uh, that... Um, that we could, you know, not just foresee, but just, just really just dream and, and, and think that God could do stuff like that. Um, some of you are more wired for that. So, uh, like, I don't know that, that I was back then. I, I'm still trying to, to grow into that today. But I just, like, what if uh, one of you that hears God in those ways and has the faith for that, um, you know, uh, Terry, I don't know how old you would have been, like three or something back, back then, but what if like little Terry came to me and said, hey, I had uh, this vision of God doing this with Josh one day, and I would, in my 20-something youth minister self, was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Um, and what if beyond that, like I could have actually had the faith and the uh, spiritual capacity to, to pray for that, to ask God for stuff like that to happen. I mean, I'm just using that as an example because uh, it, it, it's something that I can look back on and see how God worked to make uh, this moment possible and how he was sovereign over that and how he was working in so many cool ways that I couldn't just fathom at all back then. And I wonder, like, how many, how many of us, like, how many of you guys right now have things that you can look back on and you think, and I don't, I, if, if I would have only known, like, I, I, I would have had more faith back then. I would have, like, that, that God brought me to this or that God did this in my life. Such a cool God, such a cool thing that he's done. Uh, a, a lot of us can look back on moments like that. Uh, that we have, that we experience today, and think about like how God was at work so long ago, preparing us 
uh, and building into our story uh, that he would bring about what, what he's doing today. God is, is a big God, and he uh, is, is at work in those ways, in significant, uh, in significant ways in our life. I know that there's probably some things about your circumstance today that um, maybe you look back on and you are, are you're in the middle of, and you just feel like, um, you know, how is God going to do anything with this? Like, this is, this is really bad. This is really tough. Like, what I'm experiencing right now is, is so hard. I just really have no imagination for what God is up to, what God is going to do to redeem this or to bring about praise for his glory out of this. You're in the thick of it, and that is a real thing. Um, I was going to go into chapter 4 today, uh, and I just couldn't let go of some stuff from chapter 3. Uh, I, th- I thought it was going to be some stuff about God uh, being our Father and looking out for us and protecting us and caring for us. Uh, but as I kind of sat with it and prayed with it, I felt like it was something else. And so um, what that something else is, is I, I feel like God just really wants us to, to focus on this truth that this clicker isn't getting me to. All of our batteries are dead today. Uh, we've been scrambling for batteries. So, Luke, can you stay back there and just kind of follow along for me? All right, so... This truth is that our God is big and our imagination and prayer should be too. If we believe that we have a big God, then our imagination for what he could do should be big. And if our imagination is big and our God is big, then our prayers should be big too. I I don't think that we grasp or, or, or dwell on that reality enough that, that our God is big. And because we don't, we don't stretch our imaginations accordingly. And because we don't, we don't ask for uh, in prayer the things that God would want us to, to ask for as we dream big dreams. Um, how, how would that change us as individuals if we really got a hold of that truth? If we really live with the the daily understanding that that my God is big, he's bigger than all this stuff that I'm going through. And and, and then we're inspired as a result of that to imagine what that could mean in our life. Like in spite of what we're dealing with, in spite of how bad things are, that we could transcend that, just even if it's just for a moment, to, to see kind of a glimpse of, of the way God might see it, and, and to imagine that things could be different, like how I feel about it, how I see it from my vantage point. Uh, I wonder what, what God sees this like. I wonder how that might change the way I begin to feel, the way I begin to operate, if I could just get a glimpse of God's view on my life or on my circumstances or on the circumstances that surround me in my life or in my family or in my church or in my culture, uh, 
what might that do to transform the way that I live? And then how might that inspire me to pray big prayers, to be bold in going to God because I know that he's a big God and that he, he can think beyond this. And, and so it's not just about the, some of the smaller things that I want to bring to God because that's what I'm dealing with, but that I'm going bigger than that. I'm zooming out the lens on what he might want. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses uh, 14 through 21 is where we're going to be. If you've got your uh, Bible journal that we've handed out, uh, if you don't, uh, follow along in uh, uh, an app on your phone, or if you've got a, a real actual Bible with you, that's awesome too. It's not going to be on the screen, so if, if you don't have either one of those, any of those, uh, then just listen and take it in. So would someone stand and loudly read that passage for us, verses 14 through 21 from chapter 3 of Ephesians, and then we'll pray. Anybody? Awesome. 14 through 21, yeah. Amen. Let's pray together uh, that amen just once again, Father. Um, let it be. Let this be true of us uh, as uh, the people who call ourselves Community Church today. Change us. Uh, activate your power within us. Holy Spirit, um, come alive in new ways for your glory um, and for the redemption of the world, the ways that we can play into that uh, in big and small ways, God. Uh, use us um, in this moment. Uh, prepare us in this moment for the things that you have for us in uh, the day, the weeks ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so for this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Paul knew that his God was big, right? Um, he's bowing before him. He's recognizing that uh, he needs to be in submission to this God. Uh, that, that was a, uh, not just a, uh, a, a Christian thing to do. That was uh, something that his culture uh, in the many gods that were worshipped, uh, that there was uh, a, a practice of doing that, that... Maybe even uh, Paul was borrowing from to to say and and to uh, to send that message uh, both to his heart and maybe to the world around him that he is in submission to this God. This God is big, and he must bow before him. Um, and then when we see father language, it's not about whether God is male or female. Uh, that's not what we're supposed to get caught up on. It's it's about origin. Um, and it's about protection, and it's about care. Uh, God has spoke, is spoken of as Father in the New Testament uh, a lot by Paul. Uh, and Ephesians is one of the primary areas that we hear uh, that, that terminology. Paul's borrowing it from, it's not, it wasn't a common term before this. Uh, Paul is borrowing it from Jesus in, in his way of expressing and calling on uh, God when he cried out, Abba, Father. Uh, and so Paul is kind of taking that and saying, this is a great way to refer to uh, the God that we worship in Christ, because that's the way Jesus referred to him. So he's calling out uh, to God, the Father, uh, uh, the, the Father of uh, every family in heaven and on earth, uh, 
the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And so he's not just talking about um, this group of people anymore. And, and that, that's why this is a big deal in Paul's theology. And we've talked about it several times that, that the gospel is now for everyone. Uh, it, it's not to be seen as something that was just for uh, God's chosen people. Uh, the, the, the Jewish race, but it's for all races. It's for all mankind. And so he is sending this message once again as he prays that, that I understand that and I want you to understand that, church, uh, that this is God, our Father, who is Father over all. And so don't just think you have uh, that, that to yourself. Uh, this is something that's to be shared with everyone and it's accessible to everyone. And he doesn't even stop with uh, every, every family on earth. He says every family in heaven. So he's talking about cosmic beings. He's talking about the spiritual realm, that God is the father over all of that. Uh, angels, seraphim, cherubim, uh, every, everything that exists that, that's ever been created, God is, is the father of. And we are part of that, as is uh, the, the person uh, to our left and to our right, and the person that we pass on the street and in the store and that we work with, and everything in between. Everybody goes back to God as Father. And so as, as Paul prays, he wants uh, all of those people <laughs> to know that, that God is big. And he wants uh, everyone to have that kind of imagination that God is big and that God can do anything that he wants to and that all of us can pray big prayers. That that, that kind of boldness and that kind of confidence is accessible to everyone on the face of the earth because of the one true God and how big that he is. So, Verse 16 gets into what he is primarily praying for us. And so as you're maybe listening as a first century Ephesian, you're hearing this and you're trying to make sense of it as, as Paul prays that according to the riches of his glory, in verse 16, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's the primary prayer that Paul has for the Ephesians. That's the primary prayer that the Spirit has for you today and for me today, that according to the riches of his glory, that, that God may grant us to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in our inner being. Now, first century Ephesians might be thinking, okay, great, thanks, Paul. That's, I think, helpful, but um, life is hard, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, there are some other things that are kind of more at the top of my list. Uh, I appreciate the, the strength of the inner being, but I don't, I don't really get right. what, what I'm dealing with right now is like surface level. It's out here. It's, it's stuff right in front of my face that I have to deal with. Can't you pray for that? Can't you pray that these, these crazy neighbors that are worshiping uh, these sex gods and, and all this other stuff uh, that, that uh, are in Ephesus? Can, can't you pray that they would like move out of the neighborhood so I wouldn't have to deal with them? That, that would be real helpful, God. Uh, that would be a real answer to my prayer because 
they're causing a, a lot of turmoil, turmoil for my life right now. I'm trying to follow Jesus, and, and, and they're doing everything but that. And we're, we're kind of running into each other here. Um, my, my health isn't real great, God. Um, I, I really need healing. I really need you to, to, to come through for me in this. Um, I'm struggling. I'm, um, I'm sick. I'm hurt. Um, I'm dying. Can you, can you answer that prayer, God, uh, for healing? Um, there's no doubt that when these Christians began to follow Jesus that it caused a lot of problems for them in, in their life. Uh, and one of them would have been potentially their jobs. Like, uh, uh, you might have some people like uh, we, we talked about back in chapter 1 that maybe they used to be in the, the little trinket idol business uh, before they came to know Jesus. And now they can't make those anymore and sell those in the marketplace because their conscience won't let them. The Holy Spirit won't let them. They need to find a new job. God, could you, like, give me a job to, to be able to provide for my family? Uh, we, we, need, we need some uh, sustenance here. And, and I gave up all that to follow you. Surely you would want to answer that prayer, right, God? Um, could you just protect my kids? Like this world that we live in is, is crazy and Ephesus is, just seems like it's, it's not the Ephesus that I knew growing up and, and it's, it's gone wild and, and I, I'm really concerned about my kids. God, could you protect, please protect my kids? Like those are some of the things and more that, that as Paul is, is saying, hey, I wanna pray for you, uh, uh, Ephesians, um, that, that they're encountering that prayer and saying, okay, that's okay, but what about this, this, and this? And I think Paul is, is trying to say, if, if we're gonna ever have bigger dreams to, to call on God, if we're gonna ever really get to a place that, um, that we can pray these bigger prayers, and not that those prayers don't matter, and not that those prayers shouldn't be prayed, but if we're strengthened to the core, if we're strengthened in our inner being with the very power of the Holy Spirit, then might we start with a bigger understanding of what God is up to and what God wants to do. And even in, in the midst of some really crummy circumstances, could we rise above that and pray and dream and think in different ways, because God is big. Um, he's, he says that, we're, that he's praying out of the riches of God's glory. He's considering that God has got plenty to go around, that God has a massive storehouse of, of riches to lavish upon us, uh, and, and that he wants to give us. He, 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 he's promised us that he, he wants to give good gifts to his children. And he's asking us to cry out for those things. So what if we began to pray that kind of way for ourselves? What if we began to pray that way for one another? If we, if we could zoom out of our circumstances. Like somebody comes to you and says, I need prayer for X, Y, Z. And you say, great. And instead of starting with that prayer, you pray, God, could, 
could you just, according to the riches of your glory, could you grant Nerissa to be strengthened with power through your spirit in her inner being? What if, what if that was the first place you went when you started praying for somebody? And not that you don't pray for what they're asking for, but what if you started there? I mean, how much power in that? Because God may not want to answer it the way Nerissa wants it answered, right? And we have to come to grips with that sometimes. But if, if she's been given strength in her inner being, and she can handle that, she's ready for that. Maybe even looking for it in some ways because of her imagination of what God might want to do. And so this is somewhat kind of the heart behind, you know, some of us will pray, and it's not always this way. I think there's, we feel like this, this obligation uh, as Christians sometimes to, to give God the out. Like, if it's not your will, then, and, and sometimes I feel like when we're praying that way, like, God, this is what I really want, but if it's not your will, then, then I'll be okay with that. That can be weakness. That can be a lack of boldness, I think, in our prayers, that we uh, don't really think that God can do it. But it also can come from the right place. It also can come from a place of understanding that we may not have it figured out, that the, the thing that we want so badly the thing that we see so clearly, if God, you would just do this, if you would just answer this prayer, how awesome would that be? I mean, I can tell you how people would like get excited about you, God, and, and might even like, you know, want to write a book about me or something if you would just answer this prayer because it's so awesome. Um, and, and God says, no, that's not what I'm doing here. And, and he wants to like expand your imagination for what that could be. He's God. He's bigger than us. He's capable. We should expect that he wants to do stuff like that uh, from time to time. And it's not always on our agenda and our, on our timeline. See how big God is and begin to imagine new possibilities and dare to pray bigger prayers. Verse 17, why is Paul praying this prayer? So now we're going to go into like this reasoning and it's layer upon layer of why Paul is praying this prayer. Um, as he begins to unpack it for us. So verse 17, he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's one of the reasons why he's praying this prayer. And he's, he's praying so that you being rooted and grounded in love. And he's praying so that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's where he's going. What an awesome prayer for you that, that the God of Paul, the God that you worship, wants you to be filled with all his fullness. He wants to fill you up. Uh, I know there's lots of talk about like um, when when we receive the, the Holy Spirit, and there's talk about like uh, a a filling of the Holy Spirit that comes later after salvation, and that's not really what I want to get caught up in. But I do think it's important to know that there is 
uh, the possibility for more than what you have right now? How many of you sit here today and you could honestly say, I am full. I am full of God. I hope that there's some of you, but I think most of us kind of came in here limping a little bit. Kind of came in here uh, on various levels of empty. Um, my mother-in-law hates to let the gas gauge go past half full. She freaks out. I let it go all the way till the light comes on, right? Because Jesus might come back. Why would I need to waste time filling up gas? Like, it's just one of those things you don't have to do until you have to do it, right? But some of us are really on empty right now. Our light is on, and we need desperately to stop because we're going to run out at any minute. God says he wants you to be filled with all the fullness of God. That's the norm. That's what he's after in us as we live and move and have our being in the power of the Holy Spirit. Why aren't we full? If that's so possible, and if it's what God wants, why aren't we full? Well, we aren't full because our hearts are hard and our minds are weak. If you look back at at, at what he's saying here, um, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Um, he's, He's saying Christ is not really dwelling. He's not really alive in your hearts right now church in Ephesus. And and so there's a hardening of our hearts. Um, Matthew 13. This is Jesus quoting Isaiah. And he says, "When, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes. Ezekiel 36 I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you because you've got these hearts of stone. I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Romans 121, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Their minds were weak, they were futile minds and their hearts were darkened. Hardened, calloused. That becomes us when we're not living with the right understanding of how big our God is. And we're not living with the huge imagination that goes with that. And we're not praying big, huge prayers to our big God. Our hearts get hardened. Isaiah 55 For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And then finally, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. God's foolishness is wiser than our wisest men and women. And God's weakness, go back. Sorry, God's weakness is stronger than our strongest can ever produce. So 
even if we don't have much faith, in other words, even if we don't think God is that big, he's still in his weakness and in his foolishness better than any options we got. So why not go to him? That's the God that we worship. That's the God that he wants us to follow. Um, but we tend to protect our hearts. Uh, and, and when we do, they get hardened. And Christ just really can't dwell there the way he's supposed to. C.S. Lewis said this, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken, but it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Our hearts can't be hardened and we be alive in Christ. We must be vulnerable in his love. We must be vulnerable with God. We must be vulnerable with one another in order to be loved. We know that to be true. It's just hard to to live into it. And that's why he gives us the strength and the power to do it because he knows we we can't get there on our own. But we gotta be a part of the process somehow, some way. Um, we too easily get caught up in the way the world thinks sometimes. And, uh, and that causes weakness in us. It causes our minds to be weak and futile. Uh, it causes our hearts to be hardened. Um, but if our inner being is strong, it gives our mind a new capacity to think beyond the ways of this world to dream beyond the ways of this world, uh, beyond the conclusions of the experts. Like, there are so many people telling us what to do, what to think, the way things ought to be, uh, that are so-called experts, even in Christianity, that we just latch on to. And we need to think beyond that. We need to think uh, uh, in, in the big ways of God. Uh, we need to think beyond political correctness that is so, like, uh, just pumped into our brains on a daily basis. This, this is the way we're supposed to act. This is the way we're supposed to think and talk in this world. Um, we need to think beyond the statistics, the, the seemingly you know, fact uh, evidence that says this is the way it is. We need to, we need to dream about a, a God that is beyond all that stuff, that, uh, that those statistics maybe didn't measure quite properly. Um, We need to think beyond our circumstances, beyond the doctor's diagnosis sometimes. We need to be able to believe in a God that allows us to not just go to the expert and and get uh, a prescription or a diagnosis, but that we go to God and we hear from him about what he wants and what he's up to. And and I know I'm about to step on some serious toes here, but we need to think beyond our little Enneagram number. 
about who God made you to be and who God wants you to be and what God can do with your life when he adds up numbers to infinity and says, that's the fullness that I want you to live in, not just some little sliver of it, right? All right, enough about that. When we're full of the fullness of God, we can dream big dreams and we can pray big prayers. Look at what verse 20 says. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Our God is big. And look at this progression that he goes through. He, because he's big, he is able to do. Verse 20. He is able to do. And you could just stop right there. God is able to do it. I believe that. I'm going to trust in that. I'm going to live into that. I'm going to pray that way. I'm going to dream that way. But he doesn't stop there. God is able to do far more. God's just not able to do. He's able to do far more. And he didn't just stop there. God is able to do far more abundantly. Like that's a, like, that doesn't make sense. Like, He's, he's piling on stuff about God that God's gonna do far more abundantly. And he doesn't stop there. God is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask. Like you can't exhaust the, the amount of requests, the, the things that you could come up with to ask God. God's still able to do more than that. If we believe that, why do we stop so short? Why do we pray that God would um, help us to um, get over our, our cold? When we could be praying, God, give me the strength to go out into the world and share your gospel with people that I have never met before in ways that I can't fathom how I would ever engage them in conversation. And, uh, and, and as you're doing that, give me a whole bunch of money that I could like just bless them with. And, and, and on and on and on. I mean, why, why, why do we stop so short about what we think is just like so critical in our life? But why don't we just keep dreaming and dreaming and asking God for more because we can't ask enough. And he is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think or imagine. Like we can't even come up with the crazy ideas enough to exhaust what God can do. And he does this according to the power. And this is the same power that Paul prayed about earlier that we would have in our inner being from that place of power that God wants to answer our prayers. And look what happens when this becomes true of us in verse 21, and we're almost done. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. When we really know that God is big and when we begin to expand our imagination of what he can and will do, and we pray big, bold, confident prayers, then God is glorified in his church. And he's glorified in Jesus. And he's glorified throughout all generations to come. That's when worship really comes alive for us, for God. That's when real community starts to happen, when we're really doing it, guys. 
That's when the world sees about that stuff and hears about that stuff and, and hears the good news of Jesus instead of the ineffectiveness of Christianity or the hypocrisy that it's known before. It, it perks up and says something's different and I wanna know about that. I'm drawn to that. That's when the world sees in us a new society, an alternative society to the way that the world functions in a powerful new way of life that they can't find anywhere else. When we begin to worship a big God and dream his big dreams and pray for him to do big things, that's when the true glory of Jesus is realized. Colossians 1, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross, the gospel. And that's when generation after generation after generation is gonna come to know him and love him and serve him and enjoy him forever. So let's make some quick application. How do we get there? What are we gonna do? Uh, If God is big, our imagination and prayer should be too. How do we get there? We need to pray, verse 16, like I said earlier. Um, Let that be the first place that you go. Praying for yourself, praying for one another, praying for this church, praying for uh, your uh, unbelieving friends. Pray, verse 16. Worship. Worship in the midst of your circumstances. Get out Spotify and and go uh, to worship music. And, and just let it fill you. Let the truth soak in as you worship. Uh, spend time with those who get it, uh, whether that's uh, spending time in the scripture and learning from people like Daniel, uh, how he followed the Lord or others, uh, whether that's books that you read or people in this church that you spend time with, uh, uh, other people that you you kind of glean from, you, you see them living this way. You hear about it. You want to know more. You want, you want to pick up on some of that. Spend time in those places and then pray big prayers. If God doesn't answer your prayer, then zoom out and pray a bigger prayer. Keep praying and keep zooming out. Give yourself some time, though, to imagine what God might be doing, to see how he sees it. And let's do that right now um, as... Uh, the band become, comes back up and, and we uh, continue to worship. I just want us to start this time. If you're able, and if you don't think this is too weird, if you can handle it, to, uh, to get on your knees like Paul did and to pray this prayer together that we just read, that we just studied. You don't want to do it, that's fine. A good faking technique is just kind of lean forward in your chair and put your head on, and nobody, I just think you have a really long torso, that's, that's okay. Um, is it up here? I'll let you pray it, just to yourself. <laughs> 